podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome back to Hell and Heels Podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm sick. I'm, um, Hi, sick. Nice to meet you. Who is anybody surprised? Anybody at all? No, I don't think anyone is surprised. I mean, it was only in the negative degrees here last week. So, like, every I went to Walmart today to get cold medicine because we don't have any. I don't know what well, we do, but it's all nighttime cold. Uh-huh. Um, by the way, this is me on cold medicine. So just imagine. But I go to Walmart like three or four times. I had to like just keep on trucking. I don't know. I had to just skirt the aisle because I went to the cold aisle and there was so many crusty, germy people on that aisle. I was like, you know what? I'm already sick. And I'm not willing to get more sick. So I will come back. And I will just go do more shopping and come back. I was just thinking, like, I'm already sick. I'm just going in. Spread the love. It's fine. But. Yeah. I don't. I think the more surprising aspect of this sickness for you is that. And you told me this before we started recording. Is that you and James started it, not the children. I feel so bad. (laughs) I mean, in a way, it's um, justice. The other karma, one. revenge. Oh my god! I'm really. I didn't Ooh. know which one you were trying to go with, <laughs> but I was like, <laughs> I was just staring at Bryce, like, "Help me, help me." Uh, in a way, it's revenge because, like, Annie is forever sharing everything, whether you want it or not. She's shoving it in your mouth, but. Yeah, pretty sure this one come from James because I had it when I went back to work. Um, so it had to have been somebody that he worked with. Yeah, that sounds right. I blame all my sicknesses on Cody, but in my defense, I work from home. I don't go around crusty, dusty people. <laughs> so, it sounds fair. Right? You're not getting it from the dogs. They also work from home. Yeah. And I also try to do like online pickups for all of my grocery shopping. So like, it's not mm. me going to the grocery store. Yeah, see, I, well, I was getting, I did get paid. I just didn't know I got paid. So for all I knew, I had $3 in my bank account. So Mm -hmm. I also did not go grocery shopping. But then I realized that I did because my work, my work does this fun thing where you can't take unpaid leave if you have time that you can use for it, which I know Mm -hmm. a lot of jobs do. But the really cool thing about my job in particular is they didn't tell me that until I got back and emailed them. And I'm like, where is all my sick time and vacation? I very much explicitly told you not to use this. And they were like, oh, well, we told you you had to. Mm, No, you didn't. No, you didn't say that. So lies. Yeah. So. okay. My work is that way, too. So I have to. What, Maisie? Sorry, I've got a dog over here. I'm eating my dinner. And you she's dog. I'm eating my dinner. I was. <laughs> and she's on the other side using her paw to tap my arm to be like, hey, I'm here for anything you drop. Oh, how nice of her. She's pretty pushy, actually. Um, anyways, what were we talking about? I've already forgotten. Um I think oh, you were going to tell me how your day was. Oh, um, my day or just like in general, like, cause this day has been kind of shit. 
Uh, both. You could start with the food thing. I know you you reminded me, Maisie. Oh yeah, um, Maisie's trying to get my food, but she's not getting it. No, she's not. But uh, no, my day's been really rough. Uh, I got a lot of hormones in my system. Oh, oh yeah. And um, two of my dogs decided to get in a fight today. Which two? Maisie and Ben's, the biggest and the smallest. I was gonna say, do, why? Why? Because they they both resource guard, Uh, which normally, and it's only with bones. They don't resource guard anything else. So if we do get them a bone, I make sure each of them has one and they're separated normally. Because Ben's will just go into the bedroom, chew on the bone, and then Maisie will be wherever I am to chew on the bone, which normally is the living room. And sometimes they're fine with each other, but they went outside and I made sure everyone had their own bone. Everyone was fine. And I got up, so Ben's went into the bedroom, and I got up to come into the office. I was grabbing something. I think I was grabbing my water off the desk. And while my back is turned, something happened. Maisie probably just followed me over, and all of a sudden, they're just screaming at each other. But by the time I turned around, Ben's already had Maisie in his mouth. Thankfully, he just had fur. From what I could find, I checked all over her. It was fine. But he was resource guarding the bone. So... Let me just explain. I am holding, so dog, I'm facing the dog. The dog is facing me. Big dog, right? This is like a hundred pound dog. He's not a little boy. I am facing him and he is, I had to pry him off of Maisie. So I have him pinned down. That's the As good he brings one. a toy in the background. No, that's the good one. That's Bentley. Oh, I'm that's sorry. The other We're talking about the hound. hound. Yeah. So... <clears throat> I have Ben's pinned to the ground because he's still trying to kind of snap at Maisie. As soon as he released Maisie, she starts going at him. So she's behind me and I'm like kicking her away. But this whole time I'm trying to get to the bone that I know they're resource guarding. So I know as soon as I get the bone, that's going to end. So I'm like pushing Ben's back. Just trying like I'm on top of him at this point, basically just holding him down. Because they were going at it. There was no mercy today. So. um finally get him pushed back enough and he realizes I'm going for the bone and he like snapped at me oh I could have killed him I was so angry but I grabbed the bone I went and grabbed all the other bones my dogs have lost all bone privileges for the foreseeable future so (sighs) the next time they have a bone Cody will be home to monitor them and they will all have their shock collars on so that I have a little bit more control over all of them they bone themselves Uh uh-huh so I have all these hormones in my system I'm like, after that, I'm just sobbing. I'm just sobbing. Oh, God. And Bentley, he's such a sweet dog. He is. And he sees me just crying. He's in my face. I'm already sick of him because he's he's a Velcro dog. And I just needed space. Like, I just dealt with two of the dogs. I didn't want the third one up in my face. So I'm getting mad at him. I ended up calling Cody. And I don't know. Maybe this is just me. Or maybe this is just pregnancy. I don't know. If I cry right now, I'm going to puke. I think it's pregnancy because I have gotten yeah. that before. I think it's the the rush of like of heat, like because you yeah. get just so hot. Yeah, I think With that's the what adrenaline it was. and everything. Uh-huh. It's just look, your yeah. body is not your body during pregnancy. No, it's no. wild. It is so wild so. the things that change, and you never know. Nobody ever tells you until you're pregnant, and then you complain about something, and someone that's been pregnant before is like, "Oh yeah," and I'm like, "Why didn't you tell me?" Where's the guide on this? But that's the other thing. It's not everyone experiences that. Like, you know, 
Yeah. I'm assuming I'm super sick because there's two of them, but I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, my point being is I'm like on the phone with Cody or I'm trying to call him. I'm crying so hard. I'm like, I got to call you back because I'm going to throw up. Go do that. I call Cody back. I'm still in tears, but I've cooled myself down enough. I tell him about what happened. He's all upset. I'm like, I'm calling so you can calm me down. <laughs> because I was just angry. I was overwhelmed in that moment. And it was just waterworks. So that's been my day. That sounds like a very eventful Sunday. And I don't uh-huh. like it for you. Uh-huh. I was not thrilled with the dogs. But after that, they all kind of were quiet. And slept all day. Like none of them wanted to get on my nerves. So I must have been a little bit meaner than I thought I was. Pregnancy will also do that to you. Look, in my defense, when they're fighting. And at first I didn't know like if Ben's had hurt Maisie. And I don't even know who started the fight. It was probably Maisie. (laughs) But I had no idea if he had hurt her. Or if it was like anything serious. He only got fur. I couldn't find it. Like, she's not, like, I can touch all over her body. There's nothing tender. She's fine. So they just don't have bones. And then Cody gets home, and those two, Ben's and Maisie, start playing. And I'm like, you little assholes. Yeah, they can't let Dad know. No, Dad already knows. <laughs> so, yeah. That's so that parents was... 101. If Mom knows, Dad knows. <laughs> I know, right? If one knows, the other knows. Yes. But... Yeah, no. So they were, my dogs are in deep shit. But it's fine. It's fine. We have something to look forward to, though, because I have another OB appointment tomorrow. Ooh. I'm hopeful, and maybe this is bad. I'm hopeful she does an ultrasound. I don't think she's going to. At least I don't think she plans to. Mm-hmm. But the last time I went and saw her, she didn't plan to do an ultrasound and was just going to get heartbeats with the Doppler. Mm-hmm. But she couldn't tell if it was which baby she was getting heartbeats for. So she's like, I need to do an ultrasound. I was like, done. Let's go. Don't have to talk me into it. Don't got to tell me twice. I'm there. So I'm hoping that's what happens again, just so I get another ultrasound. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So that's always good. Um, But yeah, that's that's how I am. Oh, there's one more thing. Because I would like to remind my dad of this every chance I get. So my dad (laughs) and little sister play a game. I don't know how this game started. They've had to put rules around it. They've got a whole bunch of things around it, okay? It is plus one dirt to dirt. So they, like, keep points for the day. And basically, they have certain times they can do it. So basically, whoever says it to the other person first gets the point for that couple hours or that chunk of day. Which is fine. So a couple days ago, my dad calls me. And he's like, I need your help getting Millie on plus one dirt to dirt. So I'm like, okay. He's like, just call Mill. Just act like you want to talk or whatever. So I call Mill and he gets her. And then a couple days later, because I'm trying to be unbiased, trying to keep an evil, even, not evil, (laughs) even, (laughs) trying to keep an even (laughs) playing field for them. Gordian slip there, Bryce. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Um, Almost spit soup everywhere. She did. (laughs) Uh, I'm trying to keep an even playing field. So I call Mill because I noticed what time it was. I was like, oh, she's got like five minutes until it's time that they can do it again. So I call her and I'm like, Mill, you've got set up like a four minute timer. You've got this is your four minute warning. And this is me actively going to her. Right. She's not asking me for help. This is how I'm evening the playing field. 
Because all I'm doing is giving her a four minute warning. And then, um, so I, I give her that warning and she tells me she got him for that hour. And I told my dad, like, hey, I did this. The next day, she Millie calls me and she's like, would you like to be on my team for plus one dirt to dirt? And I was like, no, Mill, I'm not. I'm still working on keeping an even playing field. You guys are even right now. I've helped you. I've helped dad. We're even. So <laughs> anyways, a little bit later in that day, I told my dad, I was like, hey, this is what Mill tried to do. And <laughs> I think I'm really funny. So, <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'm going to call Mill and I'm going to get her on a plus one dirt to dirt just to, to drive her nuts. She didn't answer her phone. So I called my dad and I'm like, you need to put Mill on the phone. Is she near you? Put it on speakerphone. And this like sparked an idea in my head. I'm like, I can get a twofer. Oh, so, so my dad puts me on speakerphone. Mill and my dad are both on the phone. And I'm like, hey, dad, Mill plus one dirt to dirt. So I got them both in one. And my dad was very upset with me. <laughs> he hung up on me in case you're wondering. So well, I'm glad he was an adult about it. He did call me this morning and got me, but I was like, that's fine. You're never going to get a twofer like you did or like <laughs> I did. So, you know, we're good. You got to get your mom in on it. Oh, Next she time. won't. She no, won't. it's just when they're all in the car together. Does the car automatically oh, sink? She doesn't play, though. Oh. So, at least last that's I fine. checked, my mom doesn't play. That's fine. Have it on speakerphone with your with Cody. With everyone. Hey, mom, dad. Millie, Christmas Cody. dinner. I have a toast. <laughs> Plus one dirt to dirt. All of you. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> and this is like a game that's been going on a while for them. So like <laughs> everyone knows about it. So, well, anyway, I mean, if they even have a cool down mode, it sounds like a pretty intense game. I think what was happening is that's all they were doing all day. And I bet my mom was like, we need to put times on this. We got to, <laughs> we got to calm down. So I'm sure it's like first thing in the morning. Uh, Mills at school during the day. So I assume there's nothing during the day. I assume after school, there's probably a time frame where they can. And then it's like six o'clock and like eight 30 or something like that. So. Sounds fair to me. Look, I just know. The basics of the game. I don't know all the rules. I just call every now and then and get them. You just stir up shit. I do. <laughs> I do. That's true. I'm not even arguing. But no one can be mad at me because that was such a good one I did the other day on both of them. <laughs> What's even better is if Mill had answered her phone, I would have only gotten her. So, so she only has herself to blame. Well, my dad only has her to blame, too. Oh, okay. So it's all Millie's fault. Yeah, it's all her fault. But <laughs> that's my story. I was really proud of myself. I appreciate it. I love a story where you win and your dad doesn't. We all love those stories. Mm -hmm. Anyways, so other than you being sick, how has uh, work been? How's everything else been? Because I know you're back this week or you went back this week. Not too bad. Work has been slow because everything's frozen and it thawed out a little bit Sunday, Saturday, what? Today. What? Friday. That's the word I wanted. It thawed out a little bit Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because it got up over freezing. And then 
the same thing is happening tonight because we're getting like all this freezing rain and stuff. So I'm not upset because I don't have to be at work until 10, but I still get paid for eight hours. So uh, bonus. Yeah. Inclement weather. Hey, let's go. Heck yeah. But, oh, that does remind me. I want to apologize for my spotty audio. Um, the past two episodes, but there's not much I can do when the ground is a block of, uh, I think, negative three degree ice at one point. So, well, also before on the last two episodes, I think you had your old internet, and wasn't that dish? No, oh, I can't this remember. is uh, it was Optimum, and they suck. It was Suddenlink, and then Optimum brought bought Suddenlink, and both of them suck. Uh-huh. But this is the first episode on this new internet. Yes. So she has so. new internet. So we'll, and it's fancy fiber. Ooh, fiber. But it we'll is see. half the price of the other one. What? That's how yeah. it was for us. I mean, technically, I mean, whoever we had before, Xfinity, I think they're fiber. There's something, I, so. I don't know. Yeah. But we switched to Google Fiber and I'm paying less on Google Fiber and we get yeah. better speeds. Yeah, it's great. Like, uh-huh. bye, Optimum. So, but there's all of that. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, do you have anything else you need to apologize for? Um, other than my sick, sultry voice, no. Okay, oh, I'm well, going to apologize to you for all the sniffles. I'm trying. Yeah, because I have to edit those out. I'm really trying to mute them. There have been a couple episodes since we came back from our break where both of us, I'm not even <laughs> just blaming you, it's been both of us. We've either had sniffles, we've been coughing, we've been clearing our throats a lot. So it's been a lot of uh, editing those out. So if I miss oh, any guys, it sucks for you guys because <laughs> trust me, there were a lot more. Look, we all know you're sniffling too out there. Mm-hmm. It's icy. It's cold. I love it. But do I love what it is doing to my body? No, I can go without. I'm just, I'm here, guys. It's not, we're like in the 40s for the next few days. Oh, well, that's nice for you. I mean, it'll drop down, but we already did the snow. We got hit already. So. I mean, it's not too bad. We're in the 30s and 40s, but it's all rain. So I'll yeah. have a headache later this week. Yeah, we've got rain and snow for Thursday. I feel like it rained a little bit today, so. Anyways, well, are you ready to talk about social media? Yeah, tell me about Facebook, Instagram, and X. I hate X so much. I it should so be much. Twitter. In my mind, I still say Twitter. Last, uh, not last, episode 117, you did say Twitter. You actually said X and Twitter. You said we have X, (laughs) we have Twitter. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) But yeah, we have all of those things. So X, Helen Heels Pod, everything else, Helen Heels Podcast. Um, See, let me clear my throat really quick. But you can find us on all of those. We post all of our pictures from every episode that we reference. If we're referencing pictures, they're posted there at least. We also have our link tree. So if you're having issues looking up anything, you can actually just Google Hell on Heels link tree, Hell on Heels podcast link tree, and we'll come right on up. Um, we have our Patreon where we're working on releasing specials. I've got some extended episodes on there. Um, and then we also have 
I said Patreon. Didn't that's what I just said? Oh, our yes. email. Our email's up and going, so you can email us Helen Hills Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, questions, comments, suggestions, whatever it is. And trust me, that email is super clean because I can't stand the emails on my iPhone. So guess what gets cleaned up every day? That one. Uh, everything. It doesn't matter. It's fine. I'm still bitter about it. <laughs> but if you do have any suggestions or whatever you want, you can send it that way. And then I think I'm ready for a story. Girl, have I got a story? Okay. There is a lot of victims in this story. Okay. Okay. There are there are some happy endings, um, but yeah, let's just go. So, Chester and Dora Fronzak, they welcomed their brand new baby boy on April 26, 1964, at Michael Reese Hospital in Chicago, Illinois. One day later, Chester went back to work. Like, I mean, this is the 60s. That's normal. Hell, I feel like nowadays that's kind of normal. Paternity leaves, not a thing to a lot of countries. Countries? Companies, excuse me. Not in the U.S. at least. Yeah, no, not here. They don't care. No. Dora, she was feeding her new son in the hospital when a nurse came in and told her that she needed to take the baby to the doctor. I believe the exact words was the doctor's ready to see your baby. And Dora found it kind of strange that they would interrupt her feeding to see the baby, but she was like, oh, you're a nurse. I handed the baby over. No, I agree. That does feel strange. I feel like it'd be like, uh, when you're done finishing, like feeding. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've been through it twice and every time they're like, oh, we'll come back. Cool. Okay. Uh, Ten minutes later, another nurse came in to take Paul back to the nursery, but Dora told her that a nurse had already taken him to be examined. So this nurse, Martha Vincent, she left the room. She immediately alerted security and an investigation was launched. Martha was the only nurse assigned to the nursery, so nobody else should be coming in and taking babies. Yeah, that's alarming. Uh-huh. She didn't want Dora to freak out, so nobody told her anything. And they searched this hospital up and down. They started talking to staff in the maternity ward. Uh, there was a nurse's aide that said she saw the woman hurrying down a corridor with Paul 10 minutes earlier. So they got on this, like, quick. But at the same I, time, I feel like not telling the parents isn't the greatest look either. <laughs> just wait, girl, just wait. Another nurse uh, saw her cut into a stairwell, but nobody knew who this nurse was. While she had on the outfit, she was missing the white hat. So she was almost head to toe uh, that white nurse's uniform back in the day. Yeah, like the stereotypical... Yep. Yeah. She had everything but the hat on. They thoroughly searched this hospital for the next hour. And they finally talked to a laboratory assistant who said that he saw the quote unquote nurse leave and walk towards 29th Street holding this baby. So at 2.45 p.m., the hospital staff called the police to report a kidnapping. An hour later... I feel like you should probably call police first. Like, can't you just, can't you do both? Can't you multitask? Like, and Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. Maybe they didn't want to, like, freak her out and call the police. This is a 24-hour, this is a one-day-old baby. Freak out. 
Yeah. Hell, if it's an eight-year-old, freak out. I'm not going to be upset. Yeah. What year was this again? This was the 50s? Uh, the 60s, 1964. 60s. Okay. I get times were different. And I'm sure this scenario did not happen often, if ever. But I still, like, I know today police would be, police security would be notified and the hospital would be completely locked down. Oh, for sure. I know with both of my children, they had these little bracelets on them. And the nurse very specifically was like, don't take it off. That is, if your baby leaves the hospital, an alarm will sound. <laughs> you ain't got to take it. You, you don't got to tell me okay. twice. No. Just, yeah, make sure you take it off before I leave. I don't want to get in trouble for taking my own damn baby home. Right. You're like, deactivate it before I leave, please. <laughs> yeah, but they are, they were super on it when I had my kids. You know, I have a friend, and I don't remember all the details. This was several years ago. I also don't know, you know, validity or if I'm misremembering. Um, she she works at a hospital, I think, as a CNA, or she did at that time. But she told me that she's like that. Yeah, we have the code pink. Baby's getting taken multiple That's times. So wild. That's so, just, I can't. I'll have to call her another day and see if I can get details of that and see if she remembers. But today's not the day. Okay. Um, now, police, in all fairness, they sprung into action as well. Paul's okay, case, hold on. You say in all fairness, but I also feel like the hospital didn't do enough springing into action. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I feel like they, they did really well on their end. Like, they're like, okay, we got to find this baby. But I still maintain what I said earlier. You could very easily be like, okay, you security man, you go look for this baby. You security man, who we also have, you should call 911 and then go look for the baby. Okay, a valid, maybe, I don't know if this is a valid question. Did they have security in the 60s for a hospital? Yes, because that is who Martha ran to was the head of security. Okay? Oh, okay. I don't know if she ran all the way to him. I imagine she probably picked up a phone, but that's who she alerted was head of security. Okay. Now, police, on their Wait, end, they sprung into action. I've got one more question. Did they lock down the hospital, or did they just search? From what I could find, they just searched. I don't know why. I couldn't find why they wouldn't lock it down. But by that time, from what we found out later, it would have been too late anyways. Okay. Paul's case took top priority for the police. It went straight to the top of the list. This was, at the time, the largest manhunt in Chicago history. On this case, they had 175,000 postal workers, 200 police officers, and uh, one source said they had, like, six lieutenants. Like, they threw everybody at this. The FBI was also involved. They knocked on doors in a 10-block radius of the hospital. By midnight that night, they had searched 600 homes. Holy but there shit. was no trace of baby Paul. Yeah, like I said, the police were, they were on. Imagine if you would have called them immediately. Imagine, I'm assuming police also have this pressure because they're like, this baby has been missing from the hospital for at minimum an hour. I bet you anything, they're like, we we have to throw every resource yeah. so that we show that we're doing our due diligence. Mm -hmm. They were kind of set up for failure, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But 
law enforcement enforcement. Law enforcement. <laughs> Them law enforcement there. Law enforcement. They contacted Chester at work around 3 p.m. and told him Paul was missing. And, oh my gosh, there multiple sources stated that Paul and Dora were so happy. Okay, just just imagine, you know, obviously this is their, their child. But not only that, before Paul was born, they had lost a child. So it, it just, it's like another twist of the knife. And Paul that day had brought a box of cigars to work and handed them out to his coworkers in celebration. And then oh, at... When did they inform the mother? Uh, Paul left work after they, Paul, I'm sorry, Chester left work after they told him Paul was missing. And when Chester got to the hospital, Chester told Dora. The hospital didn't even tell her? It's had to have been hours at this point. Yep. And she's not questioning, like, where's my child? I guess not. There is a documentary that you can watch. It's called The Lost Sons. Uh, I'm watching it on Discovery+. Plus. I haven't finished it, but it's really good. And there is a nurse. who She may be retired now. It didn't specify. But she said that at the time, she was uh, like a student nurse. And she was told during this time to just sit with Dora. And she was not allowed to tell her what was going on. But she kind of, she just sat with her. I can't. I wouldn't be able to do that. I'd be like, look, ma'am, sorry. Like, I can't lie to you about this. This is huge. You got to get someone else to do this. And even more so, isn't that strange that your baby's not in there, but you just have a nurse sitting with you hanging out? You said they lost a child. Was it like a miscarriage or did they like, this might be, she doesn't know. Like, I don't know what to expect going into delivery and stuff. So I don't expect a nurse to sit with me though. Not for, I mean, at least two hours. Yeah, I don't expect that. I more expect, like, the only time I can see that is if I knew that nurse, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know any of the nurses, so it's good. A short while later, they dusted the room for fingerprints, and they started asking Dora questions. And this is when she told them this was not the first time she had seen this woman. This quote-unquote nurse. She saw her at 9.30 that morning. Dora was feeding Paul. The lady walked up to her, uncovered Paul's face from his swaddle, and just stared at him. And she said she stared at him for a good little minute and then just covered his face up and left the room. Didn't say anything? Just didn't say a word. I would have been like, excuse me, boundaries. <laughs> there Ma'am. was... Um, so I didn't have a roommate when I was in the maternity room or ward, whatever. But Dora, she had a roommate. Like I said, this is the 60s. I think this was normal. Her roommate, Joyce, she was there when the lady came to stare at Paul that morning. And she said that it was nothing struck her as odd except the fact that she didn't say anything. And she said that she just didn't strike her as a motherly sort of woman. She didn't seem kind. She didn't have good bedside manners. No. No, I feel like bedside manner 101 is to at least grunt. Or say hello. Yeah, something. Hey, how you doing? Let me see this baby. He looks great. I would think that they would come up with an excuse at that point. Hey, we just got to make sure, like, I assume they're breastfeeding. 
Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't you think it'd be like, hey, I just, I got to make sure they're latching well or whatever. Yeah, that's even better. First thing that I thought of was like, oh, maybe a little bit of jaundice. He might be okay. Like, you just don't say anything. Just look at him and walk away. Yeah. If that were me, I'd be like, someone call the police now. I don't want this lady near me. <laughs> no, like, ma'am, back, please. Other witnesses who were spoken to were able, able to give police a detailed description. Did of you the say eggable? I think I police? did. Okay. I think I did. Uh, she are was there, white. Wait, wait. Are there any people in the story that are eggable? Because I'm already feeling the ass. Oh, the nurse? 100% eggable. Okay. Quote, the quote unquote nurse. The phony baloney nurse. Okay. Yes. The hatless lady. She was white, 35 to 45 years old, 145 pounds, 5'5". Five, five. She had brown graying hair and a ruddy complexion, which usually I feel like that's kind of rude. Nope. She deserves it. That's yeah, fine. She's yeah. a cruddy person. And as police investigated, they found out that other patients reported seeing this woman too. Two pregnant women said that she came into their shared room. And when they asked what she wanted, she claimed to be from the ear, nose, and throat department and then just left. And another woman in another room claimed that she had come to look at her newborn as well. So she's just shopping around newborns? Yeah. She spent about four hours around the maternity ward that day. And nobody noticed her. And she was there the day before. And nobody had any red flags and being like, ma'am, who are you? Why the F are you here? I'm glad you asked. So there was a cleaner who claimed that somebody matching this lady's description had came up and offered to help her fold linens. And she thought this was weird immediately because she said nurses don't usually offer to help fold clothes. Well, nurses are also busy. Yeah, exactly. But this was, yeah, she's. She said she didn't think anything of it until she heard what happened. And police think that the lady's plan was to help her fold these newborn linens and that would help her sneak into the nursery. And she would just have her pick of the babies in the nursery and just pick it up and leave. But it didn't work. So she decided to just take one from their mom. And nobody knows why she chose Paul. He was the cutest in the whole place. I mean, he really was. There is one picture of baby Paul, and I did upload that picture, and he was a little cutie patootie. He is cute. Um, I wonder if it, I don't know, maybe he thought, they thought he has facial features similar to myself, or I'm looking at pictures, so I assume that one man is significant other. Which one? I don't know. This There's a man with a mustache. Oh, We'll get okay. to it. Yeah, we'll get into it. But I, Look, there's a lot of twists in this story, okay? <laughs> Let you know now. Okay. Police called cab companies and requested they communicate with their drivers, and they immediately got a hit. A driver named Lee Kelsey, he's 34 years old, he called police. He said he was waiting outside the hospital when he got a call from a woman claiming that she was coming down. She requested that he picked her up from the Butler building. And Lee was like, there's no, that's not a thing. I don't know what you're talking about. So she clarified what building she was coming out of and told him to look for a nurse. So when a woman who fit the description came out, she had a baby swaddled in a blanket. He picked her up. He dropped her off at her stop and he left. 
he did his job. Yeah, exactly. He was positive that he had picked her up before, but he didn't have an address that helped that would help police find her. So police and the FBI, they searched over a year for Paul, but could not even find a trace of the infant. They they found no fingerprints, nothing to help them. They did tap Chester and Dora's phone. And I think I believe they kept two people on it for two weeks. After the two weeks, they kept they took one FBI agent off. Mm-hmm. And then after that third week with nothing, not even an attempt to reach out, they took him off as well. And they never got a call. Well, they did, but that's because people suck. They never got a, a legitimate actual, call. yes, legitimate call. Which for me, that shows like that they're thinking, oh, there's going to be a ransom. Uh-huh. Only to be like, nope, that's not what's happening. Yeah. And this was, I mean, it was huge. It was all over the papers. Dora and Chester were plastered all over it. Uh, It was like one day baby gone missing. One day old baby gone missing. Newport is, it was a huge, huge case. A huge story. So we're going to fast forward roughly a year later to July of 1965 when a baby boy was abandoned in front of a busy department store in Newark, New Jersey. He had evidence of a black eye and a cold, but other than that, he was healthy. And he was placed with a foster family who baptized him Scott McKinley. Law enforcement tried to find the boy's family, but had no luck. They put ads, or not ads, excuse me, articles in newspapers requesting people come forward if they know anything. And not just in New Jersey, they put them in in the states around New Jersey as well. But they got nothing back from this okay refresh my memory where did the baby go missing from again chicago chicago okay yeah eventually the case this case in newark got the attention of the fbi and one agent believed that scott's ear matched the only photo that had been taken of one day old paul so the fbi take this baby to dora and chester and we're like here you go here's your baby happy ending everybody's great DNA testing must not have been a thing. No, it was not. Nope, nope, nope. Dora and Chester raised the boy, and Paul Franzak told the media later on that he found a newspaper, or he found multiple newspaper clippings detailing his kidnapping in the attic when he was 10 years old. And he said he thought this was, he was like, this is kind of cool. Like, he had a very happy, healthy life, but to find this... To find out that he was kidnapped and had gone missing, he was like, oh, awesome. Okay. So he grabbed the paper and took it downstairs and asked Doro, hey, what's this about? And his parents told him, you were kidnapped when you were a baby. Don't ever bring this up again. That's got to be hard just in general to be like, we went through that. Yeah. Like, I understand they don't want a reminder. But I also can't imagine the curiosity of a 10-year-old finding that stuff. Right. So Paul grows up. He gets married. He has a daughter of his own in 2009. But he said ever since finding those papers, he always had a nagging that he wasn't Paul. When his daughter was born, the doctor was asking him for his medical history. And he said he starts spouting off stuff. And then he said he kind of stopped. The nagging came back. And he was like, okay, 
what if I'm not Paul, then I'm doing a disservice to my daughter right mm-hmm. now. So three years later, he's at a CVS and he sees a DNA kit just sitting on the shelf for 28 bucks. They have those? Yeah, I get, well, I mean, they're probably not 28 bucks anymore, but he said he sees it and he he's, he described it as staring him in the face when DNA used to be so inaccessible. So he bought it and he takes it home and he put it in the closet for a while. Yes. This does tell me there's a home DNA collection kit, paternity analysis plus report, accuracy guaranteed, same day results available for 30 bucks. See? Now, this was definitely not a same day result one, but. I'm just saying now. So he kept this in the closet for a little while until his parents flew out to visit him. Towards the end of their trip, he says that he asked his mom. Hey, mom, did you ever wonder if I'm really your child? And Dora says, well, you're my son. And he said, but what if there were a way to find out? And he Here's said, the thing. Dora is right. He's still her son, regardless of if they're blood yeah. related or not. And I, I do like her, her response on that, too. It wasn't. I feel like she answered that perfectly. I feel like she also had that feeling. But she also accepted, like, hey, they're closing the case. They're saying this is my child. And he still needs someone to love them. Uh, I'm glad you said that. We'll get into that later, too. So when they all agreed on it, Paul brought out the DNA kit. They swabbed their cheeks. They sealed the envelope. And then he took his parents to the airport. And he said it felt like the drive to the airport took four hours. He said it, it just felt like it took forever. But by the time they got home, by the time Dora and Chester, their flight landed back in Chicago, they had had a change of heart. They asked him not to mail the results. They didn't want them. Too late. Well, Paul, he he just threw it in the, he threw the kit in a desk drawer and kind of forgot about it. Until two weeks later. And he said he got the kit out. He walked across the street to a mailbox, dropped it in. And that was that. And he said he was at work in October of 2012 when he got a phone call. And the person on the other end of the phone call told him, there's no remote possibility you're Paul Fromzak. And from that moment, he still goes by Paul, but I'm going to refer to him as Fromzak. And then I will refer to the infant as baby, baby Paul. So just... Tell me if, I, right. if I'm losing you at any point. Okay. So, Franzak, he started searching for the real Paul, and he worked with C.C. Moore. She's a genetic genealogist. She's the founder of DNA Detectives. They compared his DNA for two years, but they also went what she called the old-fashioned route, and they searched newspaper articles from the time, anything they could do to find out who he was. Based on his DNA, they determined that Franzak's roots were Ashkenazi Zoo, what? Ashkenazi Jewish, Eastern European, and Italian. And this info, somehow, y'all, DNA is wild, led them to a woman who married into the Rosenthal family. They had a set of twins, Jack and Jill. 
crushes, rip my heart out. And these twins disappeared as infants. They were able to track down two cousins of the Rosenthal's, one paternal and one maternal. And both of these cousins agreed to undergo DNA testing. DNA tests showed that Paul Fronzak was actually Jack Rosenthal. So according to Biological Family, Marie Rosenthal was a heavy alcoholic and Gilbert Rosenthal returned from the Korean War with PTSD and after he was just, they described him as an angry man. Family told Fronzak they had witnessed the twins in a cage at one point. Susan Wallert, she used to babysit the Rosenthal's other children. So they had more kids. But she was told, quote, not to bother with the twins. And she said, curiosity got the best of her. Sounds like a good babysitter to me. And she found them upstairs in their bedroom. There was nothing in this room but the babies and their cribs. She I said don't that it necessarily was... feel like that's too crazy depending on the size of the room, but... Oh, just wait. She said that it was dirty. The oh. room reeked of urine because the sheets hadn't been changed. And Jack had a black eye. Oh. Uh-huh. Okay, so is she the one that moved Jack? No. Oh. She spent the whole night in the room with the twins. And when the Rosenthal's came back the next morning, they were pissed to find her in this room. He's taking care of your children. They, I, I don't know what it was about the twins specifically, but they, they did not want her or apparently anybody. Any, they didn't want anything to do with these kids. Were they in oops? Were they? Were they? We have, we have no idea. And I'll tell you why in just a second. It's like two bullets. Well, I'm just wondering if it's like postpartum depression for the mom. No, because they were, uh, Jack was abandoned when he was roughly a year old. I I believe it was between like 12 and 15 months. I mean, that could have extended like postpartum depression, not being able to not cope to bond with your baby. I mean, yeah. And if she's a heavy alcoholic, that's just going to make it worse. Yeah. So possibly around the time of Jill's disappearance and Jack's abandonment, his parents, Gilbert and Marie Rosenthal, had temporarily separated, according to family. Both parents died of cancer in the 90s without ever telling their family what happened to their children. They would just, when the family was ever like, hey, where are the twins? They would just make up excuses. From 1965 to the 90s. Yeah, I don't understand that. I don't like, either. You don't. If my mom did not see my children for years. Yeah. Even for like a week. Like she came over and was, I was like, oh, they're sleeping. Or, oh, yeah. I guarantee she'd be like, no, where are they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I would never get away with that. Fronzak also told the media that Dora had told him when they were quote-unquote reunited with him as an infant, she said that the whole world was watching them. The media was there, the FBI was there, the police were there. And she said, she told him that she was thinking, what if this is Paul and I say it's not? 
And then she was also thinking, what if it actually isn't? What happens to this child? He goes back into the system, mm-hmm. which is a ridiculous amount of pressure. So I can't blame her, even if she knew deep down that this wasn't her child. I mean, I get her rationale here, you know, like who wants who? You can't. What do you do in that situation? Right. She doesn't want to leave him or abandon him. Yeah. And I'm sure she's grieving. And this, I'm sure raising a child helped her. And they did end up, uh, I believe a year later, they did have another child too. They had another boy. So you had asked me who Mustache is here. Uh Uh, Paul Frogzak, he's. uh, Which, hold on. Paul Frogzak. Yeah, I'm um, trying to think of how to say this. He looks like he's aged gracefully. Isn't he a good-looking dude? He is. He's a very handsome guy. He, I do feel like he aged very gracefully. I think so as well. Uh, so that's Paul Franzak, a.k.a. Jack Rosenthal. Mm-hmm. This other man, in 2019, there's a Michigan man named Kevin Ray Beatty. And that is who you were asking about with the mustache. He was positively identified as Paul Franzak. This was not revealed to the public until after his death from cancer in 2020. He was able to speak on the phone with Dora multiple times before his passing, but they were never able to meet in person. He was raised by Lorraine Fountain, and she had been dating a doctor from Chicago when she suddenly just up and moved to Arkansas. And then she comes back a year later with baby Paul, who was raised as Kevin Beatty. She died in 2004, and we, this is pretty much all we know. We don't even know where the name Beatty came from, the last name Beatty. It was just made up. I guess so. But I do think it's interesting that she was dating a doctor from Chicago, but I'm also sure that uh, there were. they tracked that down. Yeah, they looked at all those leads. Because in 2013, one year after Frodzak, uh, who is actually Jack Rosenthal, one year after he discovered his identity, the FBI reopened the kidnapping case of Paul Frodzak. The kidnapper still to this day has never been identified and the case remains open. Now this other picture, Jill... Jill Rosenthal is suspected to be deceased by law enforcement, which led to the abandonment of Jack because the parents couldn't, they couldn't explain having one kid and not the other, one twin and not the other. (laughs) Paul is still looking for his sister or her remains. And if you know absolutely anything that might even be remotely helpful, please contact the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-THE-LOST. This is a composite sketch of Jill Rosenthal. There are no pictures of her. This is what she's believed to be. This is what she is believed to look like at around 58 years old. She was last seen sometime around July 2nd of 1965. And she, her height and weight are estimates. So we really just unfortunately have nothing to go on. They did not do her justice in this composite sketch especially based off of what her twin brother paul franzak looks like yeah i agree i don't know where they got this sketch because like like we said paul is an attractive guy and then 
Jill, I mean, she's not ugly. She's just kind of plain looking. She just doesn't. She looks like she, she didn't age as nicely. Yeah. But I guess maybe they pulled from the parents base. I don't know. Yeah, maybe so. And the rest of the family as well. Mm-hmm. So like I know, that? I think I've heard this story. Do you, And I can't remember. Do you know if this is where, like, this is the story, at least the kidnapping, where the hospital started doing things more like the code pink and shut lockdowns for missing infants? I thought it was, to be honest. Uh, but I didn't see anything like that in my in my research. Okay, because I know there's, I know with changes, they started doing that, but I couldn't remember if, I've heard this one before, I just couldn't remember if that's. You are right. According to foundlingpaul.com, which doesn't work, but comes up on Google, it says the infamous Paul Franzak kidnapping case in 1964 led to several changes in how infants are supervised and cared for in hospitals, including the installation of a hospital code system. Okay, okay. So good on you. I wasn't losing it. I knew that. It's a crazy case because, like, the fact that they say they have never identified who kidnapped the child, but it's like, you were dating a doctor. Uh That doctor took off to Arkansas and came back. No, not the doctor. His mom. Oh, his mom. Yeah. The doctor, I guess, stayed. I don't know. But she just took off to Arkansas for a year, came back. And had a baby. Yeah. Like, you can't do some dot connecting. I mean. Yeah, like, and and like I said, if the FBI reopened this case, I'm sure they had to have looked into all that. But maybe there was only so much they could do if she passed in 2004 and he died in 2020. What could he do? I mean. I mean, he was a baby, so. I get that they might just be like, we can't really prove anything. But, I mean, suspicion-wise, I would think they have some good suspicions on what happened or who was involved. The only thing I could find was that they are pretty sure the Rosenthal's abandoned Jack. And that was it. That one makes sense because they were neglectful to Jack and Jill. Yeah. So if Jill succumbed to the neglect. Yeah. I can see them panicking and being like, just drop him. We don't want to kill him and get in trouble for that. Yeah. But. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, this is. This was a wild story. Yeah. And Dora Franzak. Yes. The fact that she had an inkling, like that mother's intuition, like this yep. this isn't Paul, but I'm going to treat him as if he is my, my son. Good yep. on her. Mm-hmm. And I did read a little bit about Paul slash Jack Rosenthal when he was reconnected with his biological family. They said that he found a cousin and him and this cousin just clicked instantly. Like mm-hmm. they, they were absolutely family. They both played bass guitar. They just had so much in common. Like it was hard really... to believe they weren't family. Exactly. Yeah. Which is really good to hear. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. But I mean, also is still, there's so many un- unanswered questions and I just mm-hmm. don't enjoy that aspect. 
No, this was, I think I kept seeing it referred to as the triple disappearance. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you want to go on to something a little more lighthearted? I would love to, because I don't want to imagine any woman having to go through this. Okay. Well, the good news is that I do have more lighthearted stories. And I took some inspiration for this Cody actually from this story, actually from Cody. I have no idea. I just, I'm looking at the pictures and I have no clue what's going on and I'm here for it. Yep. Yep. So basically ever since every cycle we've done IVF, as soon as we've done the transfer, Cody has, he's read to the, the embryos or the babies. So like he's been doing this every transfer. So we've been doing this since October 25th for this round. And like, we didn't even know if they stuck. So they stuck. And when we found out, we did a little book shopping. Uh-huh. And Cody chose this book, Good Wives and Warriors, Mythopedia, an Encyclopedia of Mythical Beasts and Their Magical Tales. Love it. This was found in the children's section of Barnes & Noble. So I'm, I'm just, obsessed. I'm throwing it out there. Um, obviously, we haven't finished it. Like, was, we've only gotten through the Americas. But there's a couple of stories in this book that caught my attention. And I just wanted to do a little more reading on them. I also want you guys to be the judge of if this book feels baby or child friendly. Oh, okay. Based off of the two cryptids I chose. So Cody's going to still keep reading this to the babies. Again, we've <laughs> only gotten through to the Americas. Like, and I just, as we were starting recording, I put a bookmark in so we would stop having to figure out where we were. And I was like, oh, no, we finished the Americas. We're moving on to another continent. But you guys tell me if this is child friendly. Because I'm, I'm a little iffy. But it's okay. Now, obviously, I did pull some of the descriptions from this book. They don't have a lot. Like, the ones I chose are, like, one page. Like, let me, let me just share this or show you this. Um, this is one I chose. Um, like, that's just the one-page description. There's nothing oh, else about this, you know? I love it. The pages are so colorful. They are. They're very colorful. So I did take some descriptions from this, but I did also take, you know, other liberties and find other sources with other things from them. So I'm going to start with the Encantado. And I believe these are both Portuguese words I'm saying. And I don't, I'm assuming it's similar to Spanish. So if I'm saying it wrong, I'm sorry. Okay. So Encantado translates, according to Google Translate, it translates to delighted. But according to cryptid sources, it translates to enchanted one. The Encantado is a water cryptid. It's possibly my favorite out of the two that we're going to talk about. They're found in the Amazon. The most common description you're going to find of these creatures is that they're were dolphins. Oh, okay. Yes, they are were dolphins. So they typically live for the most part as a river dolphin, which I did put a picture of the river dolphin referenced. It's, I can't remember what it was, but it ended in Rosa. So it's like a pink dolphin, which I didn't know there were pink dolphins. I don't even know if this is a real picture. I still pulled it in. I've, I knew there were, I've seen them before. I didn't know where specifically, but. There you go. So. They are often depicted as the pink river dolphins. Sometimes they are shown as the gray dolphin. But most of the sources I saw referenced them as pink. 
Now, the Encantado, they are considered to be friends of the fishermen most of the time. Friends of the fishermen of the Amazon region. They're said to help the fishermen. They're also said to help safely conduct canoes during storms. They're also believed to help drowning persons by removing them from the water. However, that's all disputed. And there's the flip side where they're not friends and they're trying to drown people. Like, awful things, right? Like dolphins. Yeah, like much. dolphins. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're doing their <laughs> dolphin nature and drowning people, okay? <laughs> so, some believe these creatures actually have supernatural powers. So, they have power over storms, power to enchant people, shapeshift. I mean, obviously, they're were dolphins. They have the power to inflict illness, inflict insanity, and even death on people. And Is that where this come from? A were dolphin? I, you're gonna, I don't know. Have you been to the Amazon recently? Not Amazon.com, but the Amazon. Damn. Oh, okay. No. Okay. So probably not a were dolphin this time. Oh, okay. Okay. But maybe your husband, you can just keep blaming him. That's what I'm going to go with. Okay. So the Encantado are said to be curious about humans. And they're believed to actually be attracted to big, flashy, noisy parties or festivals. They are party dolphins. Okay. So some sources specifically cited Festa Juanina. It's not Fiesta. It's Festa. I googled several times. So Festa Juanina. And this is a Brazilian festival that occurs in June, and it's a celebration that celebrates the nativity of St. John the Baptist. And I'm sure there's a lot more to the celebration, but guys, let me just say, it looks like a ton of fun. Like, you look at pictures, and that looks like a party I want to go to. So I can't blame the Encantado. However, other sources say it's any party. They're like, yes, let's go. You're throwing a party. I'm on my way. So... The Encantados, they're shape-shifting, right? So some say like werewolves, they only shape-shift with a full moon. Others just don't reference this at all. They say whenever there's a party, they're going. (laughs) Okay. So when they hear these wild parties, they shift from dolphin to a human. In their human form, they appear as young men, always described as very handsome young men. Now, there are some sources that say they wear all white, but most sources said they would dress in very vibrant, colorful outfits, and that's typically how they would appear. And they would always wear a hat when in human form. Now, this is because they are not great at shape-shifting. It's not perfect, and they're said to have a bald spot on their head with a blowhole. Oh. Mm -hmm. So the hat is to conceal the blowhole. And I did include a picture. If you look at the one where it's the man and the dolphin, you can actually see his blowhole. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, he's pretty sharp, except for that literal hole in his head. Yeah, except for the literal hole in his <laughs> head, yeah. So, so you know, they he, they wear hats. They, they're nice looking. Um, now, the Encantado, they'll join the party. And they're basically just the life of the party. They're charming. They've got great dance skills, great singing skills. At least the sources that people were charmed by their singing and dancing. And women are often cited as falling in love with this man at the party. And while no one seems to know this man, they still are like, man, he's a blast. He's so much fun to be here. We're so glad he's here. He's enchanting everyone with his singing. Now, he might seem like your regular party animal, but there are some dangers to the Encantado. Specifically dangers to women. They are often said to 
to seduce and sometimes kidnap young women, taking these women to their underwater home, which is referred to as Encante. A lot of sources referred to Encante as a city. Uh-huh. Now, this is often described as women being mesmerized by the Encantado. So the singing and the dancing is part of that. I mentioned it early. They can kind of hypnotize, mesmerize people. And so the singing and dancing is what's mesmerizing all these women. You might have said this earlier. Are they always men? There was only one source that referenced them as women. Every other source references them as men. Okay. Yeah. Now these women, these human women, after they've been mesmerized by the Encantado... They often are inexplicably inexplicably drawn to the water. And once they get to the water, that's where they'll be taken. And it's said that many of these women will never escape, but some may escape. And after returning, they're not in the right state of mind. They're not the same. And sometimes they return pregnant. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they don't even take these women to the Encante. They just... You know, they just do a dirty tango on land and impregnate the women then. This is a children's book? This is a children's book. Okay. Okay, correction. We found this in the, not just one, like there was a stack of them in the children's section. Barnes and Noble? Yeah. What are are y'all sure? I'm just, like, not you. I'm I'm speaking directly to Barnes and Noble. (laughs) Like... I, I don't know for sure. Maybe it's just like the colorfulness of the book. They were like, yeah, that's yeah. a children's book. Because it is very colorful. Like, do it, not it get really me wrong. Is. It's gorgeous. Very colorful. But you are going to be, you're going to have a lot explaining to do if you read that to a toddler. <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah. Oh, I'm not even done. Oh. So for these women that come back pregnant or are preg- impregnated on the land, and I'm pretty sure it uses the word impregnate in the book. Okay. Yeah. So they, these women, when they give birth to the baby, it might be born with a blowhole on its head. And at some point in its life, it will return to the river and join its father. Wow. Your little traitor. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. It's just, is going to dive in and buy. I spent all these years hiding your blowhole with that hat. It was ugly as hell. And you just dive into the water. Oh my God. Just further traumatizing these women. Okay. Just all they hear is the eh of the father and the, they're like, bye mom. This is, it really is a man's world, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At least for the incon- uh, Encantado. Now, ladies, if you're worried about meeting some handsome fellow and he's not taking his hat off at this raging party. Snatch it. Snatch the hat. Option one, snatch that hat. If there is yes. a bald spot with a hole... Get out of there. Get out. Okay. You might be mesmerized by then. I don't really know. I'm just telling you. Like, if you're still, you got your wits about you, snatch that hat and get out. Now, there might be a different solution because some sources said if you just wait until dawn, you're probably fine. Because, you know, they're party dolphins. They're party animals. And at dawn, a lot of sources will state the Encantado will turn back into a dolphin. So people will claim, like... We're parting with the Encantado, um, or this strange man. They don't know it's an Encantado. But they're parting with this man, having a great time. And all of a sudden, the man's like, oh, I got to get going. And they're like, no, 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 stay, stay. We're having so much fun. First of all, if you're partying until dawn, what is wrong with you? Secondly, 
why are you insistent on this man staying? Anyways, so a lot of people will say, like, they try to get it to stay, and he's just like, no, 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 I gotta go. And some people might claim to have followed him to be like, no, 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 stay, stay, stay. But then they claim to see this handsome young man sprinting back to the water, and as they're jumping in, they're transforming into a dolphin as they do this dolphin dive or whatever. Uh, that would be the last party I ever attended <laughs> if I saw that. I would be like, someone slipped me. So I need a police officer. I need to file a report because somebody slipped me something. Something. I don't know what I just saw, but that was not right. I knew that. I knew I saw a hole in his head. I knew it. Yeah. Now, however, you know what? come to think of it, like he was a smooth talker, but he did smell like fish. He did. He smelled like a can of, you know, the, uh, what is the tuna brand? Chicken, Chicken of, the of the sea. sea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now on the flip side of that, others will state that the Encantado can live in their human form for years, earning a living as a musician. Uh-huh. So I, I don't know, maybe just snatch the hat as the best option. Or if you have a musician in your town that never takes off their hat, snatch it. Or just, you know, walk by with some sushi or something and just be like, pretty good sushi. You want to try this? Just make dolphin noises and see what happens. I was going to ask that earlier, but I can't make the noise right now. You think that's how they laugh? Probably. I think because that's what I'm picturing is like they're just at the party laughing like a dolphin. It just reminds me a little bit of the... The nanny Fran. Oh my gosh, what's her last name? Fran. Yes, uh, her <laughs> laugh. Not that I mean, I'm just saying a little bit like that, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that is the Encantado. I'm already feeling like you're saying this doesn't feel like a children's book. I am. Um, you know, Fran always had some pretty big hair. You think she was hiding a hole on her head? No, because she's not a man. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. She's clear. She's been cleared. We're good. Yeah. So that's our first cryptid. Yeah, this does not feel like a children's book, but it feels like a book I would buy. Oh, you should buy this. This is a fun one. Cause So in this book, some of them, I'm going to show Amanda this, guys, and I'll explain it. So basically everything... Um, I should have just done that page. Basically, everything has like this one page description of what it is. And then some of these also have like an actual story. Like Ooh. some of them are just like a tale of the creature. Not all of them do. The Encantado did not. And the other one I'm going to share does not either. But they're fun. They're kind of, they're fun. The one that really got me, and it has the Thunderbird. Got the Thunderbird with oh, a story. I love that version. Yeah, and it's got the story of the Thunderbird and the whale. I the, like that they have the Native American picture in it. Because yes. when, when you Google it anytime, like you always see like the Harry Potter ones. And I'm like, oh, that's not yeah. what I'm looking at. I want to see the the Thunderbird. Yeah, and this one, maybe this is because it's like the mythology or mythical beast. I don't know. But the the story, and this one I did not include. But the story that really like kind of raised a lot of red flags for me. Uh, I don't know how to say this. I didn't want to learn how to say it today, but it's like Onpana. It's like a fish with human arms that's killing people. And that one has a story with it. Can I see the picture? Uh, The big picture? Yeah. 
I don't want to see it anymore. Okay. Do you want to see a small picture? <laughs> There's one right there. I. What? I. Okay, I was when you say a fish with arms, like it's so much worse than what you imagine. Oh, it's I not mean, like a normal, like handsome fish. It's not a bass. I don't know what the hell that is. It's awful. It, okay, so we're not going to talk about that one today because I chose not to because I have to sleep after this. But because I wanted to do the sloth one, it's not really a sloth, but it looks like a sloth to me. So the other one we're going to talk about. I don't want to give it away. So it's this guy right here. I love him. Okay. I'm going to show you this picture again. This is the Mapanguari is how I'm saying it. Again, it's another Portuguese word. I was relying on the little I kept from Spanish and hoping that it was close enough. So. Okay. So this, this next creature is something else. Because I'm going to show you that picture again. But <clears throat> to me, this looks like a sloth. And a lot of these different renditions. Like, even the one I just showed you, that looked like a sloth to me. Yeah, I see it. So, it's described as a reddish bear-like creature. Why it's pink in this book, I don't know. But, I guess, for the, for the children. <laughs> now, it's typically described as a quite large creature. It has thick reddish fur. And when I say quite large, on its hind legs, we're talking six to seven feet tall. Oh, yeah. Quite large. Yeah, quite large. And so it has thick reddish, some say brown fur. Under the fur, its skin is to be, be believed to be more like that of a crocodile. So it's more armored and scaled under the fur. Okay. Yeah, I don't quite understand that. How do you even grow fur? But whatever. It's a cryptid. Let it grow its fur with its crocodile leathery skin. <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to science a little here. It's fine. We don't need science. It has one huge eye does not have two eyes it's got the one just like a cyclops okay it's got long backward facing claws on its feet some sources describe this as having feet turned backwards why are they backwards well the feature is said to cause confusion in anyone trying to track the creature because you know the toe marks that'll look like it's it. going one way yeah you're going yeah, the wrong way that'll, <laughs> that'll do, do it, it. yeah when it's on its hind legs, I've already mentioned this, it's said to be between six to seven feet tall. And if you're unlucky enough to see this creature stand on its hind legs rather than all, on all four, it will reveal a second mouth on its stomach with razor sharp teeth. Why, Bryce? Why? So I just showed Amanda the picture from this book again. I had covered up the second mouth the first time. I don't know if you noticed my hand placement. I did I yeah, that was intentional. I made sure you couldn't see it. But there is a second mouth, and I did include a rendition that we can include in pictures on the drive as well. Um, that does show the mouth where it's like a glowing green mouth. I just thought the glowing green was a nice little touch, you know? I like that. Yeah. Just this second mouth on its stomach with these razor sharp teeth. No biggie. But for what? What do you use teeth for? But why do you, why do you not have teeth in your wood mouth? Is wood mouth not enough? No. What does he eat? We'll get to that. So these creatures, <laughs> these creatures are again said to be found in the Amazon. 
the Mapanguari, um, it's set to roam the Amazon floor. Like, I understood this on its all fours. Backwards. Well, no, its fours are backwards, but it's going forward. Yeah, Yeah. So it's backwards fours. Yeah, that's fine. So it said that these things are super stealthy. Like, even with their large stature, they're very quiet. How can you not hear them breathing? They have two mouths. And and the one on the stomach is enormous. It is enormous, but that doesn't mean you're going to hear it. They don't have to be winded all the time. (laughs) That's just me, and I'm blaming the babies for that, okay? (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm also mouth breathing because I have to, so. You're sick, so (laughs) we'll let it slide this time. It basically explains that they're able to go very slowly, very stealthily, wherever they need to go. So they're able to be quiet and sneak up on people. But most sources will say you can smell it before you hear it. Great. Oh, because of all the fur and the rainforest. They apparently stink. They don't stink. They stink. Because their fur is always described as matted and dirty. And apparently it smells of garlic, dung, and rotting meat. What? What? Oh, how someone pinpointed, like, yeah, that's garlic, a little bit of dung, maybe some rotting meat. I want to know why, how many times did they have to smell it to come to that? I don't because know. Because if I smell something like that, I'm immediately like, you know what? I'll hold my breath. I'm, I'm gagging and getting away from the smell. Yeah, I got to get out of here. Like, even before I was pregnant, I was doing, I was like, who farted? I'm out. no hell no my dogs have some nasty toots and i was out okay meanwhile they're just like it's like a wine tasting Mm -hmm. so it's also said that often you'll see them after you smell them right if you do see them it said that they often emit a blood curdling screaming growl and so they do have a second name of the roaring beast some sources claimed that Mapanguari was a translation of Roaring Beast. I didn't find anything to confirm that. So, I'm just hearing a whole lot of reasons I will never see one of these things. If I ever hear a screaming growl while smelling shitty, garlicky, rotting meat, I'm gone. I gotta go. Home. All the way. I've got a flight that left yesterday. Sorry. This vacation is over. We got here 20 minutes ago. We're going home. Why did you bring me here? James is going to take you to the Amazon and you're going to be like, I'm staying in the hotel. I would be like, this is gorgeous. This is wonderful. You don't expect me to leave this room, but I will enjoy this window. You're like, why am I getting off the plane? We can fly over it. It's fine. Exactly. Even that. No, wait. I don't want to do that either. What happened to, um, oh my gosh, the story. Julianne? Uh, Julianne Kopka, yes. Um, don't fly that airline then. <laughs> I don't think that airline exists anymore. It, it doesn't. I don't think it existed uh, after that. I mean, it was their last yeah. plane, so I don't know how it existed. They were bankrupt after that. They had no yeah. planes. They're like, we can maybe uh, float you somewhere, but can't fly you anywhere. <laughs> um, so the Mopanguari, they're... <laughs> A lot of people say that this creature is a vegetarian. Then why does it have such sharp teeth? It's gotta just be able to get to the roots of things. Come on. Potatoes are hard sometimes, okay? 
those are not root teeth. Those are not tubular teeth. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> okay, you are right. Because others claim this creature is very much a carnivore. And there are claims of this creature eating cows from local farms. And that's a very widespread claim, at least back in the day. Okay. There are also other claims that the Mapanguari would twist human heads and then devour humans. Why? Why do you have to twist my head? Do you know the amount of twisting that's already happening up here? I don't need help. And I'll probably already have a headache. Like, that's not... Just just be done with it. Why do you have to add to it? Because they're devouring you. They probably twist off your head. What am I, a freaking Easter chocolate bunny? Sure. Oh, well... <laughs> Done it to enough of them, I guess. I got it covered, didn't I? Yeah. So the recommendation is maybe don't go near these things. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that. What PhD come up with that recommendation? Cryptozoology. <laughs> I don't know. Um, now, there are some claims that due to its skin, arrows, spears, bullets, and knives don't penetrate this creature's hide. Okay. So there's not a lot of protection you have there. But if you do come in its presence, it yeah, there's one way to safety. Because it has one very specific fear. Fire. No. Actually, the, the opposite is water. Oh, okay. So it is a bath. <laughs> Basically, that's probably why they stink. <laughs> but it's just not a fan of water. So They live in the rainforest. I don't understand that because I'm like, isn't there like a lot of moisture, at least in the air in the rainforest? Like, I feel like it rains a yeah. lot. There's like a whole season where it does nothing but rain. I don't get it. I don't know. I, maybe it hibernates during that season. Uh, it better have a damn good spot. I, I don't know. Maybe it builds a couple dams around its hibernation area. Okay, so if we ever see it, we just spit on it? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> no, I'm just saying stay near a river or a water source. So if you do see this creature or smell it, just like get in the water or get to the other side of the water if you see it just as soon as you can, because it's not going to follow you. I feel like it could just six, seven feet tall. Well, no, okay. I was going to say it could just step over the water, but... No, that was giants that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So Okay, so... <laughs> so my choices, if I see a map of Mapanguari, my choices are get to a river and either die from the Mapanguari or die from a caiman. Uh-huh. Perfect. Okay. I'm going to get my head twisted off either way. But would you prefer it with the caiman or the Mapanguari? I might prefer the Mapanguari. It seems like it's a quicker it seems death. seems faster. Yeah. 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 So I'm just, I'm throwing that out there. Now, there are sources that cite before 1933, the folklore was that the, this creature, or these creatures, were former human shaman. And the shaman would be just turning into the Mapanguari. Now, there is some sources that cite it's only been one shaman, and the shaman found the key to immortality, and that angered the gods. So as a punishment for this shaman, for figuring out immortality, they turn him into the Mapanguari, and he's just immortally the Mopanguari roaming around the Amazon rainforest. This poor guy's like, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> right? I just thought I hacked it, hacked the system, and yeah, nope. now I gotta stink for the rest of my life. Uh-huh, and now I can't get in the shower. This sucks. 
I constantly smell like garlic, but I haven't had it in years. I miss the taste of garlic. (laughs) Many believe that this is just an undiscovered type of primate that people see, freak out. Same thing with Bigfoot, right? Like people believe it's an undiscovered type of primate. Now, this cryptid, cryptid, this cryptid, this cryptid has been studied significantly more than the Encantado. So many have sought out modern descriptions of the creature. And one man, David Oren, he would piece together as many descriptions as he could of this creature. And in 1993, Oren would release an article of what he believed the creature was based on from recent past sightings. He believed that this could be sightings of a giant ground sloth or a megatherium. Now, the giant ground sloths, they're, they've gone extinct. They went extinct at the end of the late uh, Pleistocene. Pleistocene? I don't know how to say that word. You did they, right. Yeah, sure. They're extinct, though. So fossils have been found in that region of the giant ground sloth that date back over 11,000 years ago. So we know this creature did once exist. Now, skeptics of this theory note that there's no fossils of the megatherium that are more modern. So how it could be this giant ground sloth, they're like, it's, I mean, it's not. What is it just living and not dying? Right. So obviously no one knows what this thing is or where the legend originated. But Oren, in 2007, he would later come out stating that he believes. So he, he basically stated that they were not able to find solid evidence of the creature still existing. And he believes the origin is based on human contact with the last of the ground sloth. Okay. So that's his theory. A lot of people accept that. Like, yeah, it's probably just that's where it originated. And that is the story of the Mapanguari. I don't know if I like him or not. I can't decide. I don't like either of them, honestly. I could do without both of them. I'm just telling you that they're both, they're, I don't want to call them my favorite, but they're both my favorite. They're both really aggressive in different ways. And they're both in this wonderful children's book. Great. By the way, there's also a fish with human arms that eats people in this book. So I'll cut them eventually. Bryce, I had forgotten about that already. I'm going to remind you of it. So, again, we found this in, like, in the children's section. Not near it. It was in there. Deep in there. Cody really knows how to pick them. Yeah, I don't know that once our children understand what we're saying, we'll read all of these to them. (laughs) Um, The raven, I think, was fine. Because there is one about the raven. Love the raven. Um, That one was fine mostly because the ravens stole the sun back so i feel like that was acceptable (laughs) um let's see i want to verify uh kidnaps women carrying them away they're enchanted blah 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 oh it does not use the word impregnate in here i was incorrect on that one but it does say they may have a baby which might be born with a blowhole so you know take that with a grain of salt (laughs) um the Thunderbird, I'll definitely read. Um, the Water Dog that likes eyeballs, I probably will skip that one. I almost did that one for today, too. That one sounds fun. Yeah, I'll save that one for another day. Okay, thank um, you. But yeah, so those are some of the the myths in the Mythopedia that we found in the children's section. And tonight, we are moving on to Europe. <laughs> I'm excited. So... Stay tuned for more of these. Is the oh Pegasus is tonight? Now I'm excited. Uh, now I'm real excited. Oh the Chimera! I'm sorry. Now I'm just looking through the book. Okay, 
So that's what we've got for you tonight. Now you tell me, is this a children's book? Does this feel appropriate for a children's book? I feel like that's appropriate for, I, I would say 10 and up, depending on the child. Think about a Barnes and Noble and their children's section, right? Think about the things they put in there. And we like found this. An <laughs> this was either a prank or an accident and we fell for it. We went with it and we're still going with it. So. I mean, great book, but not a children's book. My children might come out being like, please tell us the story about the dog that likes eyeballs. I got to <laughs> get that book for Eddie. <laughs> I might I might suggest waiting until I finish it and tell you like which ones you can and cannot read for her. That's um, probably a good idea. Yeah. So far, Thunderbird's fine, Raven's fine. I even think the very first one that I definitely cannot say is fine. But yeah, I'll let you know. I'll let you know more in depth later. But for our <laughs> listeners, you guys let us know. Because I truly don't know if this is child-friendly or if this was an accident. (laughs) But we've got it. We have got it. Cody thought it looked like a lot of fun. and I'm not wrong. um, I mean, it's fun for me, but I don't know. I'm going to add the picture of this book. There's a different version of it. Uh Uh-oh. That one. Her book envy just kicked in. Is this the same thing? I don't know, but it looks different. Who's the author? I don't even know the author of this one. I have no idea. But now I want this one, so add to cart. <laughs> um, I'll pull a picture of this book in, though, so that we can post it so you guys can see what book we're referring to. But you guys let us know. Like, email us, message us on whatever you want, and you guys let us know because I am telling you this does not feel like a child's book thank you all for listening to helen hills podcast to see pictures from this episode you can follow us on instagram helen hills podcast x helen hills pod or facebook by searching helen hills podcast you can find us on linktree by typing in helen hills podcast linktree if you want to support us please like review rate share and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms if you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you you can donate through patreon we're working to release specials for our patrons if you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, suggestions, or just words of encouragement, please email us, hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye. Bye.